All right, Wildcats, welcome back to the read aloud of the Phantom Tollbooth. I hope you enjoyed chapters one and two. Today we are going to read chapter three together. It is titled, Welcome to Dictionopolis. You must excuse my gruff conduct, the watchdog said after they'd been driving for some time. But you see, it's traditional for watchdogs to be ferocious. Milo was so relieved at having escaped the doldrums that he assured the dog that he bore him no ill will and in fact was very grateful for the assistance. Splendid, shouted the watchdog. I'm very pleased. I'm sure we'll be great friends for the rest of the trip. You may call me Talk. That is a strange name for a dog who goes tick, 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 tick all day, said Milo. Why didn't they call you? Don't say it, gasped the dog, and Milo could see a tear well up in his eye. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, said Milo, not meaning to hurt his feelings. That's all right, said the dog, getting hold of himself. It's an old story and a sad one, but I can tell it to you now. When my when my brother was born, the first pup in the family, my parents were overjoyed and immediately named him Tick in expectation of the sound they were sure he'd make. On first winding him, they discovered to their horror that instead of going tick, 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 he went talk, 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 talk. They rushed to the Hall of Records to change the name, but too late. It had already been officially inscribed, and nothing could be done. When I arrived, they were determined not to make the same mistake twice, since it seemed logical that all the children would make the same sound. They named me Talk. Of course, you know the rest. My brother is called Tick because he goes talk, 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 and I'm called Talk because I go tick, 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 and both of us forever burdened with the wrong names. My parents were so overwrought that they gave up having any more children and devoted their lives to doing good work among the poor and the hungry. But how did you become a watchdog, interjected Milo, hoping to change the subject, as Talk was sobbing quite loudly now. That, said, rubbing upon his eye, is also traditional. My family have always been watchdogs, from father to son, almost since time began. You see, he continued, beginning to feel better, once there was no time at all, and people found it very inconvenient. They never knew whether they were eating lunch or dinner. They were always missing trains. So time was invented to help them keep track of the day and get places when they should. When they began to count all the time that was available, what with 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour and 24 hours in a day and 365 days in a year, it seemed as if there was much more that could ever be used. If there's much of it, it couldn't be very valuable, was the general opinion, and soon it soon fell into disrepute. People wasted it and even gave it away. Then we were even given the job of seeing that no one wasted time again, he said, sitting up proudly. It's hard work, but a noble calling, for you see, and now he was standing on the seat one foot on the windshield, shouting with his arms outstretched. It is our most valuable possession, more precious than diamonds. It marches on and tied weight for no man and... At that point in the speech, the car hit a bump in the road and the watchdog collapsed in a heap on the front seat with his alarm again ringing furiously. Are you all right? shouted Milo. Oomph, grunted Talk. Sorry, sorry to get carried away. But I think you get the point. 
As they drove along, Talk continued to explain the importance of time, quoting the old philosophers and poets and illustrating each point with gestures that brought him perilously close to tumbling headlong from the speeding automobile. Before long, they saw in the distance the towers and flags of Dictionopolis, sparkling in the sunshine, and in a few moments they reached the Great Wall and stood at the gateway to the city. Um, roared the gateman, clearing his throat and snapping smartly into attention. Ahem, ahem. This is Dictionopolis, a happy kingdom, advantageously located in the foothills of confusion and caressed by gentle breezes from the sea of knowledge. Today, by royal proclamation, is market day. Have you come to buy or sell? I, I beg your pardon, said Milo. Buy or sell, buy or sell, repeated the gateman impatiently. Which is it? You must have come here for some reason. Well, I, I, Milo began. Come now, if you don't have a reason, you must at least have an explanation or certainly an excuse, interrupted the gateman. Milo shook his head. Very serious, very serious, the gateman said, shaking his head also. You can't get in without a reason. He thought for a moment and continued. Wait a minute, maybe I have an old one you can use. He took a battered suitcase from the gatehouse and began to rummage busily through it, mumbling to himself. No, 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 this won't do, no, hmm, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, this is fine, he cried triumphantly, holding up a small medallion on a chain. He dusted it off and engraved on one side were the words, why not? That's a good reason for almost anything. A bit used, perhaps, but still quite serviceable. And with that, he placed it around Milo's neck, pushed back the heavy iron gate, bowed low, and motioned them into the city. I wonder what the market will be like, thought Milo, as they drove through the gate. But before there was time for an answer, they had driven into an immense square, crowded with long lines of stalls, heaped with merchandise, and decorated in gray-colored bunting. Overhead, a large banner proclaimed, Welcome to the Word Market. And from across the square, five very tall, thin gentlemen, regally dressed in silks and satins, plumed hats, and buckled shoes, rushed over to the car, stopped short, mopped five brows, caught five breasts, unrolled five parchments, and began talking in turn. Greetings, salutations, welcome, good afternoon, hello. Milo nodded his head and they went on, reading from their scrolls. By order of Azaz, the unabridged, king of Dictionopolis, monarch of letters, emperor of phrases, sentences, and miscellaneous figures of speech, we offer you the hospitality of our kingdom, country, nation, state, commonwealth, realm, empire, principality. Do all those words mean the same thing? gasped Milo. Of course, certainly, precisely, exactly, yes, they replied in order. Well then, said Milo, not understanding why each one would say the same thing in a slightly different way, wouldn't it be simpler to just use one? It would certainly make more sense. Nonsense, ridiculous, fantastic, absurd, bosh, they chorused again and continued. We're not interested in making sense. It's not our job, scolded the first. Besides, explained the second, one word is as good as another, so why not use them all? Then you don't have to choose which one is right, 
said Milo. Besides, the fourth one said, if one is right, then ten are ten times right. Ten, then ten are ten times as right. Obviously, you don't know who we are, sneered the fifth. And they presented themselves one by one as the Duke of Definition, the Minister of Meaning, the Earl of Essence, the Count of Connotation, the Undersecretary of Understanding. Milo acknowledged the introduction, and as talk growled softly, the minister explained, We are the king's advisors, or, in more formal terms, his cabinet. Cabinet, recited the duke. One, a small private room or closet, case with drawers, etc., for keeping valuables or displaying curiosities. Two, council room for chief ministers of state. Three, a body of official advisors to the chief executive of a nation. You see, continued the minister, bowing thankfully to the duke, Dictionopolis is the place where all the words in the world come from. They're grown right here in our orchards. I didn't know what words that words grew on trees, said Milo timidly. Where did you think they grew, shouted the earl irritably. A small crowd began to gather to see the little boy who didn't know that letters grew on trees. I, I didn't know they grew at all, admitted Milo even more timidly. Several people shook their heads sadly. Well, money doesn't grow on trees, does it? demanded the count. I've, I've heard not, said Milo. Then something must. Why not words? exclaimed the undersecretary triumphantly. The crowd cheered his display of logic and continued about its business. To continue, continued the minister impatiently, once a week by royal proclamation, the word market is held here in the great square and people come from everywhere to buy the words they need or trade in the words they haven't used. Our job, said the count, is to see that all the words sold are proper ones, for it wouldn't do to sell someone a word that had no meaning or didn't exist at all. For instance, if you bought a word like G-H-L-B-T-S-K. Where would you use it? it? It would be difficult, thought Milo, but there were so many words that were difficult, and he knew hardly of any of them. But we never choose which ones to use, explained the Earl as they walked toward the market stalls. For as long as they mean what they mean to mean, we don't care if they make sense or nonsense. Innocence or magnificence, added the Count. Reticence or common sense, said the Undersecretary. That seems simple enough, said Milo, trying to be polite. Easy as falling off a log, cried the Earl, falling off a log with a loud thump. Must you be so clumsy, shouted the Duke. All I said was, began the Earl, rubbing his head. We heard you, said the Minister angrily, and you'll have to find an expression that's less dangerous. The earl dusted himself off as the others snickered audibly. You see, cautioned the count, you must pick your words very carefully and be sure to say just what you intend to say. And now we must leave to make preparations for the royal banquet. You'll be there, of course, said the minister. But before Milo had a chance to say anything, they were rushing off across the square as fast as they had come. Enjoy yourself in the market, shouted back the undersecretary. Market, recited the duke, an open space or covered building in which... 
and that was the last Milo heard as they disappeared into the crowd. I never knew words could be so confusing, Milo said to talk as he bent down to scratch the dog's ear. Only when you use a lot to say a little, answered Talk. Milo thought this was quite the wisest thing he'd heard all day. Come, he shouted, let's see the market. It looks very exciting. Chapter 4, Confusion in the Marketplace Indeed it was, for as they approached, Milo could see crowds of people pushing and shouting their way among the stalls, buying and selling, trading and bargaining. Huge wooden-wheeled carts streamed into the market square from the orchards, and long caravans bound for the four corners of the kingdom made ready to leave. Sacks and boxes were piled high, waiting to be delivered to the ships that sailed the Sea of Knowledge. And off to one side, a group of minstrels sang songs to the delight of those either too young or too old to engage in trade. But above all the noise and tumult of the crowd could be heard the merchants' voices loudly advertising their products. Get your fresh-picked ifs and buts! hey ya, hey ya, hey ya! nice ripe wheres and wins! Juicy, tempting words for sale! So many words and so many people! They were from every place imaginable, and some places even beyond that, and they were all busy sorting, choosing, and stuffing things into cases. As soon as one was filled, another was begun. There seemed to be no end to the bustle and activity. Milo and Talk wandered up and down the aisles, looking at the wonderful assortment of words for sale. There were short ones and easy ones for everyday use, and long and very important ones for special important ones for special occasions, and even some marvelously fancy ones packed in individual gift boxes for use in royal decrees and pronouncements. Step right up, step right up, fancy, best quality words right here, announced one man in a booming voice. Step right up. Ah, what can I do for you, little boy? How about a nice bag full of pronouns? Or maybe you'd like our special assortment of names. Milo had never thought much about words before, but these looked so good that he longed to have some. Look, Talk, he cried, aren't they wonderful? They're fine if you have something to say, replied Talk in a tired voice, for he was much more interested in finding a bone than in shopping for new words. Maybe if I buy some, I can learn how to use them, said Milo eagerly as he began to pick through the words in the stall. Finally, he chose three which looked particularly good to him. Quagmire, flabbergast, and upholstery. He had no idea what they meant, but they looked very grand and elegant. How much are these, he inquired. And when the man whispered the answer, he quickly put them back on the shelf and started to walk on. Why not take a few pounds of happies, advised the salesman. They're much more practical and very, use for very useful for happy birthday, happy new year, happy days, and happy-go-lucky. I'd like to very much, began Milo, but... Or perhaps you'd be interested in a package of goods, always handy for good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and goodbye, he suggested. Milo did not want to buy something, but the... Er, he, Milo did want to buy something, but the only money he had was the coin he needed to get back through the toll booth, and Talk, of course, had nothing with him at the time. But no, no thank you, replied Milo. We're just looking, and they continued on through the market. 
As they turned down the last aisle of stalls, Milo noticed a wagon that seemed different from the rest. On one side, it was small, had small, neatly lettered signs that said, Do it yourself. And inside were 26 bins filled with all the letters of the alphabet from A to Z. These are for people who like to make their own words, the man in charge informed him. You can pick any assortment you like or buy a special box complete with all letters, punctuation marks, and a book of instructions. Here, taste an A. They're very good. Milo nibbled carefully at the letter and discovered that it was quite sweet and delicious, just the way you'd expect an A to taste. I knew you'd like it, laughed the letter man, popping two G's and an R into his mouth and letting the juice drip down his chin. A's are one of our most popular letters. All of them aren't that good. All of them aren't that good, he confided in a low voice. Take the Z, for instance, very dry and sawdusty. And the X? Why, it tastes like a trunk full of stale air. That's why people hardly ever use them. But most of the letters are quite tasty. Try some more. He gave Milo an I, which was icy and refreshing, and talk a crisp, crunchy C. Most people are just too lazy to make their own words, he continued, but it's much more fun. Is it difficult? I'm not much good at making words, admitted Milo, spitting the pits from a pea. Perhaps I can be of some assistance. A-S-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E, buzzed an unfamiliar voice. And when Milo looked up, he saw an enormous bee, twice his size, sitting on top of the wagon. I am the spelling bee, announced the spelling bee. Don't be alarmed, A-L-A-R-M-E-D. Talk ducked under the wagon. And Milo, who was not overly fond of normal-sized bees, began to back away slowly. I can spell anything. A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G, he boasted, testing his wings. Try me, try me. Can you spell goodbye, suggested Milo as he continued to back away. The bee gently lifted himself into the air and circled lazily over Milo's head. Perhaps. P-E-R-H-A-P-S. You are under the misapprehension, M-I-S-A-P-P-R-E-H-E-N-S-I-O-N, that I am dangerous, he said, turning a smart loop to the left. Let me assure, A-S-S-U-R-E, that my intentions are peaceful, P-E-A-S-E-F-U-L. And with that, he settled back on top of the wagon and fanned himself with one wing. Now, he panted. Think of the most difficult word you can, and I'll spell it. Hurry up, hurry up. And he jumped it up and down impatiently. He looks friendly enough, thought Milo. Not sure just how friendly a friendly bumblebee should be. And he tried to think of a very difficult word. Spell vegetable, he suggested, for it was one that always troubled him at school. That's a difficult one, said the bee, winking at the letter man. Let me see now. Hmm. He frowned and wiped his brow and paced slowly back and forth on top of the wagon. How much time do I have? Just ten seconds, cried Milo excitedly. Count them off. Count them off, talk. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, the the bee repeated, continuing to pace nervously. Then just as the time ran out, he spelled as fast as he could, V-E-G-E-T-A-B-L-E. 
correct, shouted the letterman, and everyone cheered. Can you spell everything? asked Milo admiringly. Just about, replied the bee, with a hint of pride in his voice. You see, years ago, I was just an ordinary bee, minding my business, smelling flowers all day, and occasionally picking up part-time work in people's bonnets. Then one day, I realized that I'd never amount to anything without an education, and being naturally adept at spelling, I decided that... Balderdash! shouted a booming voice, and from around the wagon stepped a large beetle-like insect, dressed in a lavish coat, striped pants, checked vest, spats, and a derby hat. Let me repeat, Balderdash! he shouted again swinging his cane and clicking his heels in midair. Come now, don't be ill-mannered. Isn't someone going to, introduce, in, going to introduce me to the little boy? This, said the bee with complete disdain, is the humbug, a very dislikable fellow. Nonsense. Everyone loves a humbug, shouted the humbug. As I was saying to the king just the other day, You've never met the king, accused the bee angrily. Then turning to Milo, he said, Don't believe a thing this old fraud says. Bosh, replied the humbug. We're an old and noble family, honorable to the core, insectus humbugium, if I may use the Latin. Why, we fought in the Crusades with Richard the Lionheart, crossed the Atlantic with the Columbus, blazed trails with the pioneers, and today, many members of the family hold prominent government positions throughout the world. History is full of humbugs. A very pretty speech, S-P-E-C-H, sneered the bee. Now why don't you go away? I was just advising the lad of the importance of proper spelling. Bah, said the bug, putting an arm around Milo. He said, as soon as you learn to spell one word, they'll ask you to spell another. You can never catch up, so why bother? Take my advice, boy, and forget about it. As my great-great-great-grandfather, George Washington Humbug, used to say, You, sir, shouted the bee very excitedly, are an imposter. I-M-P-O-S-T-O-R, who can't even spell his own name. A slavish concern for the com composition of words is a sign of a bankrupt intellect, roared the Humbug waving his cane furiously. Milo didn't have any idea what this meant, but it seemed to infuriate the spelling bee, who flew down and knocked off the humbug's hat with his wing. Be careful, shouted Milo, as the bug swung his cane around, again watching the bee on the foot, catching the bee on the foot, and knocking over the box of W's. My foot, shouted the bee. My hat, shouted the bug and the fight was on. The spelling bee buzzed dangerously in and out of range of the humbug's wildly swinging cane as they menaced and threatened each other, and the crowd stepped back out of danger. There must be some other way to, began Milo, and then he yelled, watch out, but it was too late. There was a tremendous crash as the humbug, in his great fury, tripped into one of the stalls, knocking it into another, then another, then another, then another, until every stall in the marketplace had been upset and the words lay scrambled in great confusion all over the square. The bee, who had tangled himself in some bunting, 
toppled to the ground, knocking Milo over on top of him, and lay there shouting, Help! Help! There's a little boy on me! The bug sprawled untidily on a mound of squash letters, and Talk, his alarm ringing persistently, was buried under a pile of words.